Welcome to another episode of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Today we're hosting California State Assembly Member Jim Cooper to discuss current state legislation and the effect of COVID-19 has had on our state's elected officials in Sacramento. Assembly Member Cooper represents the 9th Assembly District, which covers portions of Sacramento and San Joaquin counties. So he's the perfect representative to talk about Sacramento legislation. Well, welcome, uh, welcome here, Jim. Good morning. Thank you for having me, and I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we appreciate it. Um, I guess we'll just dive right into this. Uh, you know, the biggest question that we get from members, uh, especially uh, you know, going to like our chapter meetings and stuff, is is you know how uh, has COVID nineteen affected the way the legislators legislate? You know, these are all just my words, but you know, it almost feels like uh, the legislation's being done in a silo. And I know that's not necessarily the case because you know we talk to a lot of legislatures, but it'd be good to get some inside perspective on what your thoughts and feelings are around that. Sure, that's actually a good portrayal, Brian. And one of the reasons is so typically in a session, a one year session, you'll have a hundred committee meetings. So last year uh, in the committee I chaired, we usually had about 10 meetings. We had two meetings. So to jam all that into two meetings, there's not a lot of deliberation, not a lot of debate. So it doesn't really make for good policy. And that's a tough part. So from going to 100 committee meetings down to probably a couple of dozen at best, uh, it's not good because you want bills vetted because, you know, when it starts out, um, sometimes you have unintended consequences. So that's how you vet that out in committee hearings and then actually through the floor debate. So you didn't see much of that. So it really was, in effect, siloed last year. And we're seeing a continuation of that this year. So very few meetings. Um, no one's allowed the building. So um, typically a lot of folks come in. You guys come in on a, on a regular basis where we talk. Now it's by phone or by Zoom. So it's not really productive. Yeah, I remember that was a big issue for us last year, and obviously it's going to carry over this year, is having access to our to our elected officials, especially on some of these bills where you, you talk about unintended or intended consequences, you know, and having the ability to, you know, have those conversations, um, you know, at length. And that's a good point. Nothing happens by chance. A lot of these things happen on purpose, and people know exactly what they're doing when they craft this legislation. Yeah, I know there was a lot of uh, consternation about several bills that didn't make it to the other house to get passed to be sent to the governor's desk. But, you know, the reality was and, you know, Damon said it and you said it was there really wasn't a lot of discussions. And, you know, uh, when it comes to our occupation and our profession and, and you are very well attuned to this, uh, you know, being a former captain with the uh, Sacramento Sheriff's Department is you're dealing with people's safety, their ability to 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 go to the store, uh, to drive around, uh, to not be assaulted, to not be robbed, and to not have a thorough discussion, a vetting, working in a collaborative nature on public safety bills, I think is just it's detrimental uh, to the state of California. And I was happy that none of those bills made it off, obviously. But uh, the good thing is, is there's commitments to move forward. 
how do you as a uh, how do you work with your other colleagues in the legislature to to focus on legislation that you feel is important that you want to run through the state? Well, I'm in my seventh year now. When I came in, when I first came in seven years ago, um, I was playing some offense and trying to run some good bills. So in that seven years, it's changed. So now you're playing defense most of the time, and it's just through amendments, things like that. And I'll give you a good one: was the um, carotid. I mean, the carotid was going to be taken away last year, and it's yeah, it's deadly force, but you know you can shoot someone with your gun, but you can't use a carotid. That doesn't make any sense. So we got together and talked with the author and had him um, do an amendment to the Daily Journal that allowed officers to use a carotid as deadly force. So, and so some departments went away from that, and I was surprised by that because if you're fighting for your life out there, you got to do whatever it takes to survive that. Well, I think right now the, the chiefs and sheriffs are um, they're on edge and they see something coming and they're just trying to get in front of it and so that it doesn't become a political fiasco for them if an incident happens so they're changing their policies they're doing things to be proactive in the sense of what they see coming but they're jumping the gun they're not waiting for the discourse to happen for you know where is this bill going to end up ultimately i would i'm assuming they still see the importance of say the crowded restraint but they're not willing to go to the media and fight for it because you know obviously it when you're dealing with folks that are elected or appointed, they're, they're also worried about maintaining that position. So It's interesting. A lot of these things that have happened in the last couple of years, last few years, have happened outside of California for the most part. And we're dealing with the, with the aftermath of that. And there's bills that a decert bill came up last year, last session to decertify officers through post. It would have passed if not for things getting hung up. And, and that version was very troublesome because you look at the lawyer appeals board, half those members are lawyers, same with doctors, half. For the DCERT bill last year, there would have been nine members, only three from law enforcement, no labor, all managers, and then six community activists. And one of those activists had to have a family member that was killed by law enforcement. And it's funny how we, you know, we focus so much on bias and yet they put together a panel that was completely biased against a certain group. There, there was nothing objective about that. And so it's, it's kind of a little humorous if you look at it from that perspective. So that's why I'm running a desert bill this year. And it's much better. And they're saying, well, you're a former cop. Why would you run a desert bill? Because a desert bill will be passed in the legislature this year. So you have to have options and give member options. Do you want the really bad bill from last year where there was no definition of serious misconduct, no appeals process, and there was double jeopardy? Or do you want someone an appeal process that's, I mean, I'm sorry, a desert process that, that's fair? And that's really the big thing. And also, you know, 45 states have, 46 now, have, have a, a desert process. And California doesn't. So it's one of those things where it has to happen. It's going to happen. And hopefully we can help drive that narrative. And, and really the biggest thing is to give members an option so they can say, hey, look, I prefer this bill versus this other bill. Absolutely. I, it, you know, I think from our perspective, um, we've never really been afraid of decertification. That's, there's nothing wrong with it. Good cops don't want bad cops working. That, that We say that. I know that, that sometimes it falls on deaf ears, but that's really true. We just want the process to be fair and objective and not be you know, completely biased. That, that's really it. But there's nothing wrong with the decertification. The ironic part is, is you have the American Civil Liberties Union, which is pretty much the driving force on all this police reform. But when it comes to making sure that officers have due process rights, they're uh, they're very deaf on that issue uh, and actually feel that we don't deserve due process rights, which is very unfortunate. 
And that's important, Brian, because the ACLU is down there every day and all these social justice reform groups are down there every day in the hallways, knocking on doors, making phone calls. And PORAC's a big organization and we have the other law enforcement unions and organizations. But that's the reason you pay your dues for wages, benefits, and working conditions. So don't complain about that because it helps because you have to have that voice in there. Otherwise, your voice is not even heard. And it's a battle every day. I mean, there's so many folks lined up against law enforcement that your union reps, Damon and Brian, are here representing you to make sure that you aren't getting screwed over. And that's what we're seeing right now. They really don't care. They want zero accountability. Some of the folks I work with, they don't care. Yeah. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, it's funny, Damon and I were just talking about this yesterday is, is that, you know, politics is a participation sport and you either show up or uh, you don't. And if you don't, then you're going to have to live with the consequences. And like you said, we're, we're sort of seeing that right now, hopefully. Uh, and that sort of dovetails into, uh, you know, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you was, is, you know, how, how do we bring back civility to the political discourse? How do we have conversations? Um, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends in the legislature. Legislature. Um, philosophically, I don't necessarily agree with them, but I'm still friends with them. And it's like, how, how do we bridge that gap to where, uh, you know, we may have differences of opinion, we have differences of thought, but yet at the end of the day, we can go down and, and have dinner, break bread, have a nice conversation and, and enjoy our company outside of the political spectrum. It almost seems now that there's this, this divide. If you don't be, uh, believe in what I believe in or think or how I think, we cannot be friends and we cannot function together. And that's the way it is. Well, it is very hyper-partisan right now. It's been that way. The, the vitriol is just, it's unbelievable. And it, it continues day after day after day. And, you know, we've got to change that and do what's done. Now, for law enforcement, the majority of the public supports law enforcement. We've seen the polls. They support law enforcement. They love law enforcement. Do they want some few changes? Absolutely. But they support us. So just know that. And it's just being engaged. Change will occur at the public level in the districts because it's interesting. I live here in Sacramento, but you come to Sacramento and you vote on 3,000 bills in a year and rarely do you hear from your constituents the only times you hear from your constituents is if some group organization says hey call them email them and complain and that happens very rarely during a session so most of the time you just don't hear from people so to change things it comes from the district those constituents who vote that member in can express their displeasure or pleasure with them and that's really where change occurs and, and also I want to I want to do a pitch here we need more public safety members more law enforcement involved in politics politics at the local level to build that bench, whether you're on a city council member a board of supervisors or a park or rec or fire district to come in there and gain that because you have a great story to tell versus somebody else. I mean, I'm being honest, a businessman or someone that's been a, a political employee or worker, you have a great story to tell in law enforcement. So I wholeheartedly support more folks from law enforcement coming in there. And like I said, the stuff that law enforcement deals with, a lot of these folks haven't dealt with day in and day out. And uh, you can come in there and, uh, not be scared to make these decisions. So come join me. Yeah. And, and I think that's a great point, uh, Jim, is that, you know, officers and deputies, uh, you know, they're making decisions all the time. And, you know, the part that really bothers me a lot when you go to these hearings and you hear these activists, you know, you, you worked thousands of hours as a Sacramento deputy. And how many situations did you de-escalate in your career? Thousands, thousands. But you're never going to see a news story on that. And it happens all the time, every day across the United States. And then you'll have an incident and then you watch the news and it's like this happens every day, all the time in every place in America. And that's just not true. No, it's true. 
you try to change that. It's just, it's, it's frustrating. You just want to bang your head against the wall. And how do we change that narrative and really educate people? So it's a, it's a constant battle in, in what we do. Well, I appreciate you trying to push our members to get into politics because I know Damon and I have been doing that at uh, chapter meetings. I want to take a quick moment to let our members know we're really excited to announce a first of its kind educational opportunity here at PORAC. We've partnered with National University to secure scholarships for not only you, but your spouses and dependents as well. You and your family can now receive from 25 to 50% off the cost of tuition on over 75 different degree programs at NU. We put together a special webpage for PORAC members at nu.edu forward slash PORAC. That's nu.edu forward slash PORAC. Again, this is a true partnership. So when you fill out a request for information, nobody's going to pressure you. They'll simply answer your questions and help you decide if going back to school is doable for you. These are the folks that pioneered the 30-day, one-class-at-a-time format, and you can do it all online on your own schedule. So whether you're thinking about a promotion, your next career, or simply a life goal that you want to complete, check out what's available with our partner, National University. Go to nu.edu forward slash PORAC. That's nu.edu forward slash PORAC. One other item is you're the chair of the uh, Public Employees Retirement System, which is great news. Obviously, like you stated earlier, uh, benefits and uh, compensation are vitally important to our members. What do you see on the horizon as the, the chair of that committee? We're going to deal with AB 1496, and that's some cleanup to the Alameda decision. Obviously, it came back last year. Uh, that was, was, wasn't was good for law enforcement as far as final compensation and pay. So we're trying to clean some of that language up. We hope to do that. Every year, we also have divestment bills. So over the years, PERS has divested from, and STIRS both, from guns, tobacco, oil, and other things. Obviously, PERS is not fully funded. We want to make sure it's fully funded. Who's to be the moral police out there that people do smoke, people use gasoline for their cars. So that's not our job. So for the past several years, we've been able to stop divestment bills and not divest from anything. We want the best returns possible on people's retirement. That's, I mean, you've worked a job and you're guaranteed that defined benefit. We want to make sure the money's there to pay you. So we, we fight that continually with some of these bad bills. And, and it's so important. Like I said, PORAC, wages, benefits, and working conditions. That's why you pay dues to have someone represent you to be in Sacramento and read through these 3,000 bills a year to make sure the bad bills don't get through or they get amended to lessen that impact on your members. It's always the highlight of our day when all the bills are finally there. And obviously, you know, they, they all dropped last Friday and there's a ton of spot bills. So we still don't know what they're going to be. Right. And then we still don't have the committee bills, but we have all these 2000 plus bills sitting there and we, it's always fun for us to sit down and go through bill by bill and scratch our heads. Like usually the question is why, why is this a bill? <laughs> and then sometimes it's, you know, ones that we flag obviously that we're, you know, adamantly opposed to. So, so don't complain about paying dues. I was a board member for our deputies of service association and our managers association. And it's just so important, especially today, more so than ever to make sure you're protected because it's crazy. There's another bill coming back this year, failure to intervene. If you don't intervene and something happens, you're held liable. You can be fired and prosecuted. So it's, it's just, that it's, on the surface, it sounds like it might be a good idea, but there are a lot of mechanics in there and it's really the devil's in the details. We want to make sure that it's done right. <laughs> and doesn't hamper anybody because law enforcement's a tough job. You're dealing with life and death and making split second decisions. My colleagues who I've worked with have never had to make those decisions. And they've and, and no one's dying in the legislature when they're voting on bills and debating things. No one's dying. And in, in, in your profession, it's se split second decisions that you may live with the rest of your life. And no one takes joy in that. It, it's a tough job. 
Yeah. And you, you've lived both sides because you've been out there and you had to make those decisions. But now you're in the legislative piece and, and the legislatures get to talk and discuss and parse every second of a video or an incident uh, ad nauseum. And you have people that come in, witnesses from these 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 groups that just lie, 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 lie. Uh, we For Prop 47, they were said, if, if we change Prop 47, there would be 4,000 unintended consequences from Prop 47. This person said this in a hearing. And we're like, well, what are they? It's always interesting to me that, you know, we sit through some of these hearings, particularly in public safety, because that obviously affects us. And folks come in to testify and there's no requirement for them to swear in. There's no oath taken. Like if you're going to court and you're swearing on your testimony, this is true and factual. And the stories that are told are are not factual. We'll, we can sit there and Google them when they're talking about their incidents and go, well, they're leaving a lot out. And, you know, it's unfortunate. That's kind of where these bills are, you know, decided upon is based on, you know, false testimony. And in some cases, really, it's their knowledge of law enforcement is based on the entertainment industry. It's not really based on factual life and what happens out there. It's 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 just it's crazy. It is. And there's a criminal justice reform panel that, that's coming up this year, some recommendations. They want to make uh, 12500 and 14601 uh, CVC. They want to make that infractions. And it's like people just drive and don't care right now. So it's just they do these things that it sounds good, but there's major problems with that. So it's just constantly, like I said, it's it's, it, you're playing defense and just trying to make get those amendments in there where it makes the bill not as crappier. And that's the sad commentary where you can't go out and do and try and do positive bills to get them through because it's so hard. Yeah. And it's interesting on the, the vehicle code stuff. So, I mean, just go south of here in Oakland and these sideshows are they're turning deadly. And there's like you have you have elected officials who basically don't want to do anything about that. Yeah. And it just it's I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know how I look at San Francisco and talk about about a community that has a high tolerance for victimhood and they accept it. It just, it boggles the mind that they're willing to accept that level of victimhood. And, and you know, Brian, I, I, when I came in, I go, okay, at some point the pendulum is going to swing and it's going to change, but the house has to burn down. And <laughs> I'm being honest, and, and it hasn't because it has to, you need a polyclass type case to happen for, for things to change. I mean, something has to come, but I'm, I'm just surprised it hasn't happened yet. Well, I think George Gascon's trying to make that happen for us. So Yeah, I think uh, I think LA may be the, uh, the case in point because I don't think uh, I don't think uh, people in Los Angeles are going to tolerate the level that you see in San Francisco. No, so it's, it's just, it's tough. It's a, it's a tough job and you guys dealing with the people and you have to go in every member's office over there and, and, and talk to them and their staff. You guys have a tough job up here. It's not an easy job, you know, lobbying here in Sacramento. And like I said, you have people that are, that aren't your friends that don't like you, but you still have that, got to have that dialogue with them to do that. So that's, that's, it's tough. I appreciate, uh, appreciate all the comments. Um, I know there's one bill that's probably going to come your way as the PERS. Um, we just recently ran across it. It's, it's a bill that will allow public employees to choose between a pension or a defined contribution plan. I personally, I think everybody should have a defined benefit plan. I wish there was a way we could work out something for everybody uh, in the state of California to have one. I firmly believe that retirement security is going to be the next major crisis that faces America. I already think we're already in the crisis. It's just people aren't recognizing it. You know, when you get these kind of bills and, and obviously, you know, from your your perspective and your opinion on this, I mean, I just don't understand why some legislatures would want to destroy somebody's retirement security, knowing all of the uh, the frugality that we've seen over the last 18 months. 
uh, with COVID. Right. And think about this, your 401s, your 457s, those are really made for rich people to, to put originally people that were well off to put money away to defer taxes. It wasn't made for that. And you also have the volatility of the stock market versus a defined benefit. You know, you've worked this time, you're going to get that certain paycheck once a month, no matter what, it doesn't change. And we've seen the stock market go up and down. So yes, a defined benefit pension plan is a way to go, not, not to deal in the stock market. And we're very fortunate. And yeah, law enforcement's paid good, but they do a job that most folks would not want to do. So, but besides that, the average pension is probably $2,000 in California. It's not a lot of money for most people. So, and it's crazy that that bill in particular is, if you look at it, it's, it's literally, in my opinion, designed to destabilize the pension system. Right. So you hear it's people just rail on it constantly. These high salaries, high salaries. And yeah, I mean, city managers and some folks make some good money, but when you look at the average pension, like I said, it's $2,000. So it's, it's just one of those things where you're, you're dealing with that. And like I said, people rail on it, but you know, it, it, I keep coming back to, like I said, Porex mission is to take care of their employees and that's what they're there fighting every day for you guys. And, and uh, we appreciate that. You know, someone that's retired and, and uh, gets a pension, I know, I know it's tough and we want to make sure that at the end of the rainbow, when we do retire, that pension's there for you and it's whole and that entity who you worked for keeps their promises. I think uh, I think Jim's been our biggest advocate to our membership, and I really appreciate that. So, um, I was going to close it up. Is there anything that you would like to add? No, I just the men and women out there, poor rack. It's a tough job. It's a thankless job right now, and people are complaining and yelling at you and cursing at you and wanting to do harm to you. But you know, the vast majority of Californians appreciate the job you do. It's tough. Just keep doing it. And uh, like I said, we appreciate you. We love you. God bless you, and be safe. Yeah, we appreciate that, Jim. Jim's a fantastic friend for uh, PORAC and, and all law enforcement. And, you know, he's, he's really looking out for the, uh, the safety of the community in his district, but also the state of California. So we want to thank you for coming in. We could probably have another, uh, another conversation down the road and look forward to it because we could just probably just talk law and order stuff, uh, <laughs> especially being a, a former captain uh, at the SAC Sheriff. So I look forward to doing that. I want to thank you uh, for joining us on this latest episode of On the Job with PORAC. We hope you enjoyed it. We'd like to take this time to say thank you to all our PORAC members and our nation's law enforcement. Be safe and have a great day. PORAC is California's largest law enforcement organization and the largest statewide association in the nation, representing over 77,000 public safety members since 1953. Our monthly podcasts, as well as past episodes, are available on PORAC.org, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, PORAC's YouTube channel, or where popular podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms and tag us with your suggestions for future show topics. To learn more about our organization, visit us at PORAC. Porac.org. We are Porac.